Uh, so Stu and I are here, you know, just kind of hanging out, doing a show. You know, it's just the way we roll. Yeah, the show is bookended today uh, with some bad news at the and, beginning. And good news And good end. news at really the end. Really good news at the end. And then really good stuff in the, well, and entertaining stuff in the middle. Some of it wasn't so great, but. And my silver die here. Yes. From Sam Giacana. Yes. Yeah. So Obviously, why wouldn't you have that? Uh, well, yeah, because I couldn't afford anything else of his, but he was a, you know, he he's, he got a, like a medal of freedom. He was like a mob guy that killed a lot of people, mm-hmm. but he loved his country. Oh, <laughs> his that's country. great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. On today's podcast, uh, bad news, bad news, but really good news, too. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, really Bill O'Reilly's on. Oh. Michael Malice is on. Funny, funny, funny Michael Malice. Funny, hysterical Jamie Kilstein. Great group today. Yeah, really good. Here's a podcast brought to you by Relief Factor. Are you in pain? Well, <laughs> depending on who you are, that could make me very sad. But if you're listening to this podcast, yes, it probably makes me sad. But if you happen to be stumbling on this podcast... And you're like, oh, crap, I got to listen to this guy. Eh, Pain might be good for you. So disregard everything I'm about to say. Relief factor. There is hope. It comes in the form of relief factor. I see testimonials every day. I'm a walking testimonial of it. Um, I couldn't I couldn't have painted uh, if I hadn't had relief factor. I couldn't have painted. And it's one of my great joys in life. You're a painter? Yes, I've painted every room in my house. Anyway, it's not a drug uh, developed by doctors, and you get the three-week quick start to try for only $19.95. Drug-free, natural way to get your life back. It's relieffactor.com. Go there now, relieffactor.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, for listening, uh, for supporting us at The Blaze, and also uh, for your prayers. I know millions of people across the country, okay, at least five people, uh, pray for me all the time, and I really appreciate it. I I can feel your prayers. I have not been this optimistic in a while, and I've been like this all week. And I mean, I'm reading the psychology of totalitarianism. There's no reason for my mood to be good. Um, But... uh, it is, and that's what I've been praying for, optimism and, and uh, being able to see through the trees to the other side. So thank you for that. Um, Russell Vogt is with us. He's with the uh, Center for Renewing America president. He is uh, the former director of the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget. And the Center for Renewing America yesterday filed a complaint against Zuckerberg and voting rights groups over alleged influence of the 2020 election he is here to tell us about it now russ how are you sir i'm doing great glenn thanks for having me on you bet so tell me exactly what you're doing we are asking the uh irs to do an investigation of what we know happened but they have not come to ground on and that is that three entities the center for tech and civic life the center for election innovation and research and the national vote at home institute received upwards of over 400 million dollars from priscilla chan and mark zuckerberg we now have called them zuckerbucks over the last year and they basically used nonprofit educational c3 tax deductible organizations 
to intervene and do partisan activity. I mean, it's one of the biggest interventions in election history. I can't think of a, a, a greater one. And this puts aside all of the stuff that Facebook did to regulate people's speech. This was $400 million to intervene under the pretext of COVID. And what they did was they gave this money directly to local election offices and put them under restrictive contract agreements and, it's, and privatized the workings of an election so that the same people that were trying to get uh, the Democrats to win were actually running the offices themselves. So they had access to the, the ballots in storage facilities. They had the ability to know is a particular absentee ballot uh, deficient from a signature standpoint? Does it need to be cured? And they were talking all the time with one particular candidate. And so this was so far beyond what, what should happen, even if you're dealing with a PAC. But to have this being done by a 501c3 organization, that's something that needs to be investigated, and their tax-exempt status needs to be uh, revoked. And Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg, their tax deduction for this particular expense needs to go away. So he probably would have done it even if he didn't. He couldn't write it off, although he's lost so much money. Lost so much money lately. Maybe he is uh, scrounging for it. But um, do you think the IRS is is going to investigate this, or is this um, uh, something that you're just teeing up? So if and when the Republicans take control of the House and oversight, they can put the screws to the IRS. The latter. What we want to happen is we want to, this to be uh, in their uh, their inbox. We want them to be able to to know that this is something that a future conservative administration will investigate, uh, so that it has a chilling impact impact on all C threes on the left that would purport to in, intervene in this way. Uh, you know that our the conservative nonprofits. They never they're very compliant. Um, the IRS is all over them. There's a long history of this occurring. And on the left, of course, they are flagrant all over the place and the IRS never comes down on them. But I also believe next year, as early as next year, if there's a, a Republican Congress, uh, there is an opportunity to say to the country, um, you know, this agency has a long history of being weaponized. What are the ways that we are going to judge? To Are you? regain the trust of the American people. I believe this is one way in which they can do that. And I think that comes as part of us getting rid of the 87,000 new IRS mm-hmm. auditors, taking back that $80 billion. That fight is actually happening right now as we're trying to prevent them from passing in Congress a long-term appropriations bill so we have leverage in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So I think it's part of a, a multi-step process, but it starts with getting the complaint uh, in their docket and sending the making it that they understand this is a legal thing that took place. Um, Russ, thank you so much. Well, tell me about your organization that you started. What do you, what do you exactly do you do? Center for Renewing America is engaged on making sure we're picking the fights on all the America first cultural issues that really until Donald Trump ran for office, the establishment didn't ever want to be part of the agenda setting process. And so we're saying, Look, we're going to talk about illegal immigration and securing the border, but we're also not going to just blame Biden for it. He is the problem. But we're going to come forward and we're going to have a specific solution that says state governors can declare it an invasion and unilaterally secure the border. So how have, how come we haven't done that? It is so clearly an invasion. When you have Venezuela emptying their prisons and sending people up, what is that? Uh, and I mean, we're just being overwhelmed here in, in the border states. Why haven't they 
declared this an invasion. Because, Glenn, you and I actually look at the Constitution as it is and not as 200 years of bad precedent and bad statesmanship. And that's not what Republican establishment governors do. They look to avoid conflict with the federal government. We don't live in that world anymore in terms of being able to accept that. And so I believe this is going to happen. Um, the, the person running as the Republican nominee, Carrie Lake, has said this would happen on day one. Yeah. Uh, Abbott has not taken it off the table. He has, in fact, said he has the authority to do it. He just then didn't go forward and do it. And so I think that he's still studying it. We are batting down all the excuses that have arisen. Uh, but I think it's going to happen in two out of the three, four big states on, along the border as early as next year. But you're right. It is maddening how long it has taken to get this to the, the through the political cartels uh, uh, agenda setting process. And when they do declare it, what does that trip? What happens? So it will look very similar to Title 42. And this is. Uh, what they will do is they will give rules of engagement to their state troopers and they will say, okay, you're going to interdict an illegal immigrant and you're just going to bring them back to the border. You're not going to house them. You're not going to put them in big new facilities along the border. You're literally going to just send them back across the border into Mexico, not at points ports of entry. And that's really a key distinction. You're going to send them back to Mexico uh, and, and Ken Cuccinelli will tell you that under the Trump administration, we could do that within two hours. So once that happens, it's all of Central America and Mexico gets the joke that the border is, is closed. Uh, the flow has stopped. Will they try to get in a mile or two down the road? Yes, but you stop them there. But the main point is that uh, you have at that point cauterize the border from a, from the flow standpoint, and you have an opportunity to, to take the neon light off the border. And the Border Patrol, they answer, though, to the federal government. And with Biden in charge, he will instruct them to make sure that that's not happening. Right. So, I mean, do we, we have a what a constitutional conflict? We will have a, a constitutional conflict, depending on how the feds uh, React. I don't personally do not think the Border Patrol uh, it would be where they attempted to do that. But we have we've looked at the law and, and articulated and, and, and really studied it. And there is no federal justification for a federal uh, uh, agent to arrest a state trooper because you're, they're not operating under any federal laws. And they're operating under Article one, Section 10, Clause three of the Constitution. And it's outside of immigration law. So what we've done is establish the legal high ground for Abbott or a potential governor, Lake, to be able to say, what are you doing? If you want to create this, that's 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 your your choice. But you have no constitutional legal high ground to do this. And we will be thinking through operationally on how this should look. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think that these you know, you don't want to take them to the points of entry because you're that's where the Border Patrol is. And so you've got to make it so that you're trying to minimize th that conflict as much as possible. Mm. Russ, thank you for everything that you're doing. Appreciate it. God bless you. And thank you for the uh, uh, for the setups here of what I think are very, very important. We've got to stop uh, people like Zuckerberg and, and Soros and everybody else that will just dump money and buy elections and rig the elections. So thank you so much. It's Russell Vogt. You bet. He, you bet. He's the uh, president of the Center for Renewing America and former director of Office of Management and Budget.
This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program. It's Friday, the biggest story of the week. Well, first of all, you miss me, Beck. Fess up. Uh, mm. We haven't spoken in a few weeks, and you miss me. I know you did. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you did. All right, so my, my uh, most important story of the week is a little convoluted, and I'm usually not that way, um, but this is something you'll hear nowhere else. Okay. Okay? All right. All right, so the United States is in bad economic shape. I don't. It doesn't matter what Biden says, and I mean everybody knows, right? So if you have stocks, your stocks are going down. If you have to buy food to live, the food bills are going up. If you're going to have to heat your house, you're going to pay a ton this winter. So everybody knows that. And the reason the U.S. economy is doing poorly is because of Joe Biden's executive orders. And the first day in office, he said. We're going to slap all of these restrictions on harvesting fuel in the United States. Bing! That lighted the fuse for inflation, and the rest, as they say, is history. Are you with me so far, Ben? Yes. I know it's been a, a long summer. Okay. <laughs> so then Biden goes to the U.N. today, uh, this week. Yeah. And he says the United States is going to spend $362 billion dollars um, fighting climate crisis. It's no longer climate change, by the way. Right. It's now climate crisis because apparently Pakistan is underwater <laughs> and every Pakistani has been issued a snorkel. Did you right. know that? Right. I didn't know that, but yeah. I, I mean, I could have told you it was coming, client, yeah, climate, climate denier. Crisis. So $362 billion U.S. tax dollars going to fight the climate crisis. And there he is up there, virtue signaling and, uh, you know. And sitting in front of him, right in front of him, is the delegation from India. India is not going to do a thing about the climate crisis, even though it's next door to Pakistan, right. even though they may have to wear snorkels soon. Yes. They're not doing it. And then north of India is China. They're not doing it. They're building more coal plants. And then north of China is Russia. They're not doing it. So there's Biden, who has destroyed the U.S. economy himself, Virtue signaling to the world that the United States is going to spend all of this money, which is, of course, going to ignite inflation worse here to fight uh, climate crisis. Yet these three humongous countries are not going to do anything with which offsets anything the USA would do. Well, I will tell you, they are doing something. They're cheering us on. They want us to do it. They think it's because really important. Because economy. Exactly right. Right. So that's the biggest story of the week because nobody has linked that together. Nobody but me, Beck, which is why you have me on every Friday. No one. Okay? All right. So, so that wait. affects every okay. single person in this country. Directly affects everyone. I, I will tell you what is happening because of climate. Uh, I don't know if you saw the EU this week also doubled down and said, we're going to uh, increase 
our commitment to reducing uh, carbon. And we are going to go beyond what we said we were going to do, which they haven't even met what they said they were going to do. But they're going on beyond. They are committing, especially Germany, they are committing suicide. I don't. Number one, I don't believe anything they say. Okay, so and, and what they do, I don't care. Ironically, if Trump had been reelected, we now would be selling oh, yeah. all the fuel the EU needs and our economy would be booming off the chart. Yes. Okay, this is what drives me crazy because the American people, they don't have, this is what I do for a living, okay? This is, I'm, I'm an analyst. I look and I've got a great staff and you, you do too, by the way, you know, good research. And we know exactly what's happening, but the folks don't know. And they can't find out now unless they listen to you or me. They just can't find out. So the analysis that I just gave you, how if Trump had been reelected, not only would our economy be booming, but everybody in Europe would be dependent on the USA. Oh, I mean, you know what kind of power that is? And therefore, China and Russia, their power would be diminished. And, and so it's all a linkage across the board. I hope I'm not being too pinheady here. No, no, you're not. But Joe Biden has no idea of this. And, and I'm not giving him a pass. I think he's a terrible president. I'll just give you one real quick here, because you used to live in New York. So yesterday, Biden wraps it up at the U.N., right? Instead of having dinner and then going to Kennedy Airport about 738 after rush hour, Biden leaves Manhattan at 545. Oh, my gosh. Nobody understands. Okay. There are only 12 exits to that island. Right, right. And Paralyzing the whole, whole thing. area, yeah. causing uh, massive delays for every human being. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about people on the border. He doesn't care about, you know, gridlock to Ohio. All he had to do was have dinner. Let Just me ask have you. a nice dinner and leave later. No. Bill, I'd, I'd like your analysis on what you see happening um, in November with the election. The numbers are starting to go. We're going to do a segment later on in the program. Uh, the numbers are really swinging hard uh, towards the um, uh, towards the Republicans. Um, and there are some seats that are being possibly being grabbed that they didn't think that they would be able to grab. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I will give you a likely scenario. Okay. And again, you will hear this nowhere else but with O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com, whatever O'Reilly's doing, you guys should check it out. So the key to all this does not show up in the polling. But you can see the polls in Arizona and in, in Nevada and New Hampshire, and, and, you know, it's close in the senatorial races and on. Here's the key, Beck. If the minorities don't vote, particularly African-Americans, then there will be an unbelievable landslide for the Republicans. And my theory, and that's what it is, it's just a theory, is that black Americans are getting hurt worse oh, yeah. by this terrible economy and inflation than the rest of the population. 
And they're not going to be dancing out there to vote for the Biden Democratic Party. I could be wrong, of course. But if the African-American vote is suppressed, if they don't come out the way they usually do, it's over and the Democrats will lose both houses of Congress. So I had Cash Patel on uh, with me for a podcast that uh, is out now. Uh, if you're a subscriber to Blaze TV, it'll be out Saturday, wherever you get your podcast. Um, but uh, I, I asked him, I said, you know, I, I don't think that the Democrats are going to stop coming after Donald Trump. No. Until, there's a, until there's a perp walk. I, I mean, I really think... They, he could say, I'm going to go play golf for the rest of my life, and I don't think they'd stop. No, that's all they have. In New York State, you had the Attorney General, Letitia James, announce a civil lawsuit against the Trump Organization and Donald Trump. Everybody remembers that, okay? It happened this week. Now, if you look at the action, two things. Number one, she is alleging bank fraud. Not one bank signed on to her civil lawsuit. Not one. Why? We found out the Trump organization paid back all its loans. Mm -hmm. So there's no victim. They paid it all back. The reason that she is filing a civil lawsuit is she knows she can't get a criminal conviction. That's why the Manhattan DA wouldn't even get involved. But her buddy... Governor Kathy Hochul is in trouble here in New York. And so Letitia James is pushing this into the forefront, hoping that all the Democrats will mobilize and vote for Hochul. It's about Hochul, not Trump, because the only thing the Democrats have is we're not Trump. We hate Trump. You hate him, too. So let's vote for Democrats. That's it. So they have nothing else. Is it working in New York? We don't know. There's polling going on right now, uh, internal polling, which is stuff you don't see. Um, and I should know by early next week. But I mean, who would I mean, would it would would they elect a Republican in New York? Well, Zeldin's pretty close, according to Trafalgar, which is wow. a good poll. Wow. He's yeah. And and she won't debate, and she's got a, a scandal about COVID va um, testing equipment to a donor. Uh, I mean, it's a she's a mess here. So it's possible again. New York State is dominated by New York City. If the minority vote doesn't come out, Zeldin will win. Wow, that would be massive. Cataclysmic is the word. Of the day. It would be. All right, back with Bill O'Reilly in just a second. Bill, your take on the Martha's Vineyard coverage this week. Okay. All right, thank you for asking. And by the way, if you can give me two minutes at the end before you boot me off here. I got it. I got okay. it. Yep. I need two minutes of I your know. time. So Martha's Vineyard, um, I, I have um, applied directly to Governor DeSantis for a plane ticket myself. <laughs> okay. I'd like one, I want to go. To Martha's Vineyard, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I want to go there, and I, I'm, I'm willing to sign a form saying that Governor Sanders can send me there <laughs> at his expense. That's number one. It's already in motion, Beck. I've already done that. Got it. Number two, this is a stunt by DeSantis, and it's 
pretty brilliant. It is. Because every conservative, every traditional American is applauding this because traditional conservative Americans despise sanctuary cities and this virtue signaling of these people who are causing an immense amount of pain for the United States and for the migrants themselves. I never overlooked that. The migrants themselves, to get here, suffer grievously at the hands of the cartels in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So anyway, DeSantis is, and this is, you can take this to the bank, Beck. DeSantis is watching Trump. Trump is not a lock for the nomination on the Republican side. He's ahead, and MAGA still is a formidable operation, but he's not a lock. DeSantis is not going to primary Donald Trump. No. Because DeSantis is 44 years old. Why would he do that and, and alienate all the MAGA voters when he can run four years from now? He will win re-election in Florida. Yes. DeSantis. Okay. So DeSantis is saying to himself, I need to get my name known. I need the people in Montana to know who I am. What better way than to do this? Mm-hmm. That's why he did it. So the uh, George Soros crew in Boston, these unbelievable uh, far-left lawyers, file a civil suit against DeSantis. This helps DeSantis. And then DeSantis pops up going, we have consent forms. We have consent forms from every migrant we sent to Martha's Vineyard. Love it. And the final part of this is the denizens of Martha's Vineyard itself. Have you ever been to Martha's Vineyard, Beck? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Not treated well at Martha's Vineyard, but it's beautiful. Uh, were you stoned to death? Almost. Almost stoned to death. <laughs> okay. Almost. Now, I've been there many, many times because I worked local news in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it is beautiful. It is a beautiful island with a great history. Mm -hmm. But the people who live there, generally speaking, and I have friends who have houses there, and they're good people, but most of the people are insipid. In other words, (laughs) insipid. Not the people who actually live there year-round. Because those those, are are okay people. Those are okay people. It's the people— yeah. With its sweaters tied around the neck. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. And, and the uh, you right. know they, J Crew outfit, mm. and they their little pinky comes out when they drink the tea. <laughs> Those people, right? So you don't you don't want to be hanging with them. So they, of course, they don't want these migrants on their front lawn unless they're cutting the lawn, right? Right. And you know what's amazing? You could send them to Washington, D.C., and it gets some reporting. You could send them to New York City, get some reporting. You send them where all of those power brokers have their houses, and it is the biggest story of the year. Of course. Yeah. And they, they know the hypocrisy is blatant. They, they're not stupid people. They know. But again, just like Joe Biden in the rush hour, they don't care. They don't. It's all about them. Okay. okay? I'm going to Go make ahead. this about you. We're two minutes out. Go ahead. Okay. Two minutes. Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity comes out on Tuesday. All right. September 27th. The reason this book is out on the heels of Killing the Killers is because of COVID. We usually put out a book a year, but now we're putting in two because killers couldn't come out until this year. Now, this book 
And next Friday, I hope you give me a little extra time so we can mm-hmm. talk about it. This is about how famous people get crushed and betrayed. It's about Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali, but it's really more than that. It's about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And if you are a famous person in America today with the Internet, social media, it is almost impossible for you not to get badly damaged. No one escapes who is famous. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in reading it. I wish you would send me a copy of no, it. No, I dropped. I, we, ha, we charted a helicopter and dropped no, 10 copies in your backyard. No, seriously, I, I do want a copy of it if you would just send me a copy. I sent you a I copy. I don't know. Well, anyway. Uh, it's, anyway. Always, it's always the same thing with you. Anyway, um, but I'm interested in reading it because I saw the Elvis movie this summer, which I thought was yeah. great. But uh, you leave there really feeling bad for him. Yeah. You know, he was he was in a cage and it was a velvet cage. It was a nice cage, but it was still a cage and he had been betrayed forever. Listen, when you read this book back, if you can find the copy in your backyard, I can't. It's harrowing what happened to these three men. Okay, I'll read it. Harrowing. I'll read it. It comes out Tuesday. It's Bill O'Reilly killing the legends, the lethal danger of celebrity. Uh, We'll see you next week, Bill. Thank you very much. And maybe have you on on Tuesday to talk about the book. Um, And he just hangs up on me. That guy, man. Okay, he's not coming on on Tuesday. Well, first he won't send you a book, and now this. I know. You know. When will this guy Mm -hmm. do what he says he's going to do? You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. All right, every day we go online and we say and do whatever, right? I found out yesterday, Stu, this is crazy. I was in a meeting yesterday and uh, and we were talking about social media and they're like, Glenn, you're really big on TikTok. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How? That doesn't even make any no. sense. In a million different ways. Right? <laughs> like, it makes no sense whatsoever. But... You That's know, you. Whatever. Mr. Um, TikTok. Yeah, I know. I And I only see t- TikTok. Only, I only see stupid people on TikTok. So is that why I'm mm. a success? I mean. That's a good point. I don't know. You've worked my a wife, long time to make it on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, my wife is like, I'm so concerned about our internet security. And then I'll see her scrolling through TikTok. And I'm like, well, you just gave everything to China. <laughs> anyway. I've only had that same conversation 50 <laughs> times. I know. Mm. I keep saying to my mm. kids and my wife. What do I have to say more than this is a black op from the Communist Party? They're gathering all of the information to destroy us and you. But other than know, that, but it's, it's really funny. funny. Watch this. All right. Anyway, uh, LifeLock is there to help protect. Nobody can protect everything uh, that you have online, but they're the best in the business. They're by Norton. So uh, uh, call them. Uh, get... Get, get your life secured online just a little bit. Nobody can stop everything, but I think they're the best in the business. LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, or you can uh, call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK. Save 25%. Jamie, how are you, my man? Uh, I laughed so hard at that intro. <laughs> 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 because it was like, 
uh, I, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, tragic, tragic, tragic. No, 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 I'll be funny. Everything, <laughs> everything's fine. And you're, you're like back in the day before my life imploded, you know, a comedian gets intro for a radio show and you're like, you know, you've heard this next guy on Conan O'Brien, and now my intros are just this long, tragic tale. <laughs> like my next guest is searching for redemption right. in long He's... purgatory. Right. And... <laughs> uh, my next guest uh, has been considering suicide, but today he's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> We caught him on an off day because he doesn't know how to tie a proper knot. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I'll, I'll tell you, you did say something, and we covered this on your podcast, but you you did say something so wild, which is me being painted as this sort of outside thing to be examined is so bizarre because – like nuance shouldn't be edgy. Having no. multiple opinions on different issues shouldn't be controversial. And the fact that I feel like the people and you've got this too, who get the most thrown under the bus now. And don't get me wrong. I used to be that way. I used to be like, pick a side and start losing friends <laughs> like the rest of us. But now, you know, it's, I think it's so healthy. And I also think it is, representative of the majority of people but the majority of people are too nervous to anger their own tribe so if they do you know if it's a conservative who's like i don't really care about gay marriage or if it's a liberal who's like yo these drag shows are like not okay they're afraid to sort of get ostracized from their own group because yeah. you know things are so rough right now we're clinging on to any sort of life support that they just keep it quiet. But I think the majority of people are going to start speaking up and be like, Hey man, there are crazies on both sides. And there are also really cool people on both sides. So if your life hadn't exploded or imploded, do you think you would have come to this or did think, it take a shipwreck to get you I there? I think about this a lot. I think about this a lot. I really do. I really do think it may have taken some sort of shipwreck. You know what I mean? Even I if it was just, um, uh, yeah, I have to tell you, I think, you know, I've said I've said this all the time when, you know, uh, I'll be at church and they'll be like, oh, share your testimony. And I'll be like, yeah, I really feel sorry for you guys that you didn't have a life that imploded because I really needed redemption. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I really needed yeah. to find it. And I don't know if I would have actually found it if it wasn't, <laughs> you know, if I wasn't on a ledge. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I, um, you know, I, 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 I know I'm supposed to be funny, but I think this is important. No, you just think, be you. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think that it was and not to, you know, kiss up whenever I do a conservative show, people always start tweeting me pictures of red pills. And I'm like, I know, I know it's happening. But like, <laughs> I will say I did not feel that way. For 10 years, because for 10 years, I was only still surrounded with liberals and, you know, I'll, I'll, so many of them off air, uh, off any public be like, hey, man, I'd love to have you on my podcast, but like, I don't want to get in trouble. And for the record, like, I don't think what you did was bad. And, you know, I cheated on my girlfriend in my 30s. And oh, my wife is furious. She thinks what happened to you wasn't bad at all. Anyway, we can't be seen together in public. And if you could lose this number. And then <laughs> when I started... <laughs> 
when uh, when I moved to Austin, Texas, which is I think uh, legally required for white podcasters, mm-hmm. um, when I moved down here, I suddenly like I was hanging out with conservatives and moderates and libertarians and people who they didn't have to go check Twitter to see if they could be your friend. People mm. who just sincerely saw you for who you are. How do you treat my family? How do you treat my kids? How do you treat me? And these are people from jujitsu and these are people, you know, all over the place that aren't necessarily in the political sphere. And that's when, I mean, we're talking this year at 40, you know, I had an affair 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago. We're talking this year at 40 years old is the first time meeting you. It's the first time that I've been like, oh, what happened to me was a blessing. What happened to me did lead Mm -hmm. me to find God, did lead me to open my mind, did lead me to, you know, changing my views on certain things. But dude, when it felt like nobody had your back and it's just me and I'd have people tell me, you know, I have a great uh, comedian, Burt Kreischer. I did his podcast a long time ago and I was still living in L.A. And he was like, bro, like, this is going to be a blessing. You get to restart. And I was just like, shut up. Like, my life is awful. Like, I live, like, my, my, my apartment in L.A. when I, like, after my divorce was so bad. You know how hard it is to break a lease, especially in, like, L.A. and New York. It was so bad that when I couldn't afford it anymore and I went up to the landlord to be like, hey, I have to break the lease, he literally looked me in the eyes and goes, just don't tell anyone what you saw here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, that's out of a horror movie. It's out of a horror movie. And... You know, so then I was like, no, dude, I don't see how things are good. And now that I've been around and I never thought I would say this more open minded people. I thought liberals were the open minded people because we listened to Kendrick Lamar like, but no, like the conservatives I've hung out with are more open minded. And again, it's funny because I used to make fun of religion, too. It's like. No, they're the ones that talk about forgiveness. I thought liberals were the ones who would talk about forgiveness because of prison reform, because we, I thought we were more open-minded. But the ones who actually like practice what they preach, who I've met, and there are, again, there are plenty of liberals who are cool and like this as well. But and there's plenty of conservatives I, that are, they suck. The, that, that are the total opposite, yeah. and that'll be monsters. That's but they're like, well, I go human. to confession every Sunday, so it's fine. Right, exactly. right, exactly. right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. and uh, and w- how did you view this and what did you what did you learn? Uh, put your lab coat on, buddy. I went all <laughs> over the place with this. I went so schizophrenic with this because when it first happened. I was like, ha stupid liberals. I thought it was so funny. And because I've hung out with rich liberals, like there's part of me that I'm surprised the Martha's Vineyard people didn't have the immigrants like sentenced to death. Like I've hung out with people who will tweet about Black Lives Matter, but cross the street when they see like a real life black person. I've been to like vegan Hollywood parties that are like just missing a whites only sign and like separate water fountains. Like I've, I've, I've been around these people And so seeing them have to confront their own hypocrisy um, was good. And to stick up for the liberals, by the way, and to attack the, the, the media, the media just wants us to see the worst cases. You know, there were people who took residents in, who fed them, who cooked them meals. And we never see that stuff. You know, the media. Yeah, but I'll bet you that it was not the people who have the big houses. 
I'll bet you it was the average person that lives there year round. And those aren't rich people. No, I bet you you are a thousand percent right. A thousand percent. Um, Yeah, that's always the funniest thing when you see the like um, Black Lives Matter or like support immigrant like little lawn sign in between like eight layers of armed security (laughs) (laughs) where it's it's performative. Right. And so I thought that, you know, I was like, good. But then I don't know if you had this moment um, or where you are on DeSantis. Oh, and I also will say I do love this sort of no nonsense Texas where it's just like we're going to send a bunch of people over or or like. You know, it's the Texas attitude. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Florida is just like the Texas of the sea. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there was this moment, there was this moment where I was like, ha ha. And I was looking at my conservative friends on Twitter and they were making jokes about it. And it was really funny. And then again, I don't know if you guys had this, but I was like, where did he get those brown people from? Like I had this moment of like, wait a second, did Ron DeSantis like, did he kidnap a bunch of like, <laughs> like, did he traffic them? Was he just holding them in his basement? Like, I had no idea where. And that, by the way, that's the most Florida man thing you could do is just kidnap a bunch of immigrants. Like the only thing that would have made that more Florida is if he had like an alligator guarding them. Like I was like, bro, just hire actors. Just hire Mexican actors. It's very in right now to cast Latina X or whatever they're called. Like, don't take real starving, desperate people and trick them just to own the libs. Like, I would have rather Ron DeSantis, like, put on an offensive, like, Mexican costume and a little fake mustache and just gone to Martha's Vineyard himself. Like, don't do this up with the Like, it would have been great. But that was one of those moments where, like, I couldn't let myself fully get wrapped up. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, but but wait a minute. He didn't, and everybody signed a release for him. They knew where they were going. Come on, man, you wouldn't want a free... I I will... I'll claim to be an illegal if he'll <laughs> if he'll send me some tickets to go to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> well, yeah, but then you you do ask yourself questions, right? Where you go, like what I had to do was take myself out of it and go and think about being. I mean, it's it's the it's the Christ thing, right? Where you just go, okay, what's it like to be those people? Yes. And I think that it is. We are so used to looking at the news through the lens of social media where it seems like a video game. And as a video game, that's hilarious. And Ron won. And the liberals look ridiculous. And I will give Ron DeSantis credit as well, which is this is what it took the media. This is how far we had to go to get the media to cover this crisis and yes. i was also really surprised when because I, I asked on twitter where i was like hey did rob sanders just kidnap a bunch of mexicans or whatever <laughs> venezuelans whatever and um and a lot of conservatives who i thought were essentially just build a wall not my problem i don't want to see them yeah. were actually giving me very heartfelt responses where it's like no dude of course we don't want to see immigrant families starving it's just the system has been so broken that this is what happens, right? I, so I have to tell you, that both that, sides. That when w- the response from the left and the media has been so telling, they they yeah. keep saying, all these cities keep saying, they're sanctuary cities. We don't have room. Wait, you have, wait, you're New York. 
You think a little teeny town of 20,000 people can handle 25,000 people that just came across the border? And you don't even talk about it. You don't talk about the fentanyl. You don't talk about the actual smuggling of humans, the rape that is happening from these drug cartels as they're bringing people over. It's a horror show. And and they don't care. I'm I'm so glad you said that because this reminds me because I was thinking that when you said New York, I started thinking about L.A. And there was part of me that was like, God, L.A. can just build houses for TikTok influencers. Like, why don't we help like real people? <laughs> right. But I, I remember the last time I went to L.A., which was just a couple weeks ago, um, it was bad. I mean, the homeless problem was just as bad, if not worse, um, than you do see on social media. And I had this like heartbreaking moment because again if you look at stereotypes of the left Mm -hmm. and of the right you have liberals saying hey man don't worry about it like you know let them build the tents let them you know and and they're doing it under the guise of like we're being compassionate correct and then you have conservatives um which i've seen who just go ew gross look at this look at what a disgusting mess this city has become blah 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 and what's not happening in the middle is legit compassion where when you walk by these people seeing them as people asking yourself how we got here and then looking for a solution right so you have politicians like um i think his name is michael schellenberger who Mm -hmm. tried to he's great he's thrown newsom he's Mm -hmm. great um and he was a big liberal and all of my friends on the left hated this guy and so when i researched him I thought he was just going to be like, march the homeless into the ocean. Like, I thought he was going to And I started, like, reading what he's trying to do. And it's like, no, this dude is actually willing to be hated and is yeah. trying to say, don't put them in tents. Don't put them in hotels. It literally doesn't work. You believe in science, liberals? Look at the stats. It doesn't work. Yeah. We have to get them into treatment. We have to help them. And very similar to what you were saying about immigration, where it's just like, I feel like the left is so good at pretending to care, right? Um, and pretending to be compassionate. But it's like, man, if what we're doing isn't working. All right. Yeah, Jamie, I only have a minute here. Um, We're we're gonna have to have you on again uh, sooner rather than later because you're just you're my you're my favorite science experiment, and you're funny. Uh, So anyway, where where are you gonna be performing where people can see you? Yeah, so I'll be in Syracuse at the Funny Bone in October. I'm performing at Skankfest um, in Las Vegas in October as well. I'm in Austin all the time opening for people like Duncan Trussell. Yeah. And then um, the most important thing, I'm going to start a mental health comedy podcast. We're not there yet, so I would say I would love to talk to your fans, learn more. Uh, follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Jamie Kilstein, and uh, uh, also on Instagram, at the Jamie Kilstein. Chad Prather is desperately trying to get a young conservative girl to slide into my DMs. He wants me to marry a Christian. Um, so yeah, oh, you will. On, uh, I, you will be. You'll, you're you're well, you're maybe it. six months it. away from being a preacher. <laughs> I'm going the, the anti-Sam Kinison route. I appreciate you. I appreciate you as a friend. Yeah. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank Steve, you. Thank you. Thank you both. God bless. Uh, Jamie Kilstein. <laughs> 